Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. This much we do know about the Cardinals' 2021 draft class. They are athletic, very athletic. Many believe one of the seven new players may be a real steal for where he was selected. But first, what the proper mindset needs to be for every drafted player. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 421, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So I heard something yesterday, MJ, that I wanted to share with everyone. And I think this is what every player who had their name called during the 2021 NFL draft needs to remember. Quote, it really doesn't matter where you're drafted. It just matters what you bring to a team and what you bring to an organization and what you're willing to do every day to kind of improve. End quote. That is new Cardinal center Michael Minette, the seventh round pick. He addressed the media on Wednesday. And I think, yes, for his situation, a late round selection, maybe a little bit different than Zayvon Collins. But once you're in the building, what do we hear from coaches? Once you're in the building, it doesn't matter how you got here. It is what you do now in the film room and what you do on the field. So I like the approach. I love the words. I love the statement. Now, I think hopefully everyone has that same sentiment because nothing is given. You have to earn everything. There is, though, that caveat, though, MJ. There is a little bit longer rope, if you will, a little bit more leeway for some players versus others. That is correct. And, you know, a lot of these guys will come in with a chip on their shoulder because they, you know, just ego-wise and what they've been told from agents and scouts, they, they all thought they should be drafted higher. Um, we've heard from uh, Manette twice now, and obviously mature guy, um, three-year starter. He's a guy that knows his role. Uh, he talked about he's had a conversation. Kyle Odegaard's got something on uh, a story on azcardinals.com. Uh, AQ Shipley obviously went to Penn State. And so, you know, he, he knows what he's coming in here and facing. It's about learning. But, yeah, it's right. I mean, you know, first, second, third round picks, there are some expectations. But rounds four to seven, you're just hoping um, that these guys can learn to play the position. They had the mental toughness to, to play in the NFL. And, you know, him playing the Big Ten where it's really, you know, run the ball, try to play action. But it's more of a physical conference. So I like what he's saying. And I'm glad that he kind of knows – you know, it's all about opportunities. Uh, again, now that you've been drafted, and I think, you know, if you would have been an undrafted free agent, probably a little bit disappointed. You want to hear your name. You have, you know, people over your house. You don't want to embarrass yourself. So, um, but I think he's got the right mindset coming in. He could be a practice squad guy, but the thing is he knows he's coming in here to be part of the future. It is going to be a long road for him even to make the team. I like what you said about practice squad and the comparison to A.Q. Shipley, not only former Penn State centers, but Ship, remember, he bounced around those first couple of seasons, practice squad with one team or another, before he finally kind of landed a starting job. And then even after getting a starting job, he was always looked to try to be replaced. And 
lo and behold, 10, 12 years later, here he is, and he's got a great career, and now he's getting into the coaching ranks. Again, it's a fascinating article up on azcardinals.com that Kyle Odegaard wrote. So not all seventh-round picks are going to succeed, but are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to suffer disappointment, learn from it, grow from it, and be willing to, if this is your dream, leap over every single obstacle that is put in front of you some guys do it others don't and you know we i don't want to talk up too much certainly on some of these day three picks mj but there are and we see it scattered throughout the league those late round selections those undrafted free agents that do carve out tremendous careers in the national football league and if you look at it, uh, it, the guy that they are always trying to replace, and and he was an undrafted free agent, Lyle Sunline, very similar. And then all of a sudden, you know, Shipko or they brought Lyle back for training camp, and he finally got a nice little contract. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, he had a bad back, so um, teams had a red flag on him. And then it was Russ Grimm that told Rod Graves, you know, I want to bring this guy in. He was an undrafted free agent, but. You're right. Shipley played for uh, Harold Goodwin, and he was on that staff in the Colts, and then he goes to Pittsburgh, and B.A.'s there, and Goody's there, and then he comes to Arizona, and now he's with Goody and B.A. again on the coaching staff there in Tampa, which was announced uh, officially this morning. It's also in Kyle's story, but yeah. And again, there's different ways to get to the NFL, and you know, A.Q. Shipley, let's be honest, they missed him. He was the glue of the offensive line when this line was pushing and getting four or five yards a pop, and you know, uh, Kyler Murray obviously was there, you know, and I thought at the time, you know, Mason Cole, younger and athletic, but it was, it was it was imperative to have Shipley in there help making the calls, and we know Kyler took a ton of sacks that year. Yeah, it's uh, look, every team wants all of their draft picks to be successful, but we know that it's not always the case. So hopefully, you do find that diamond in the rough, and whether that is Minette, we'll have to wait and see as we continue here on cardinals cover two presented by hyundai proud partner of the arizona cardinals also want to pass this along another announcement by the arizona cardinals and this is very important and a tip of the cap to the organization for the creation of the adele harris scholarship this is to commemorate the 50th anniversary of harris becoming the first african-american woman to hold a front office position in the NFL. This is a $10,000 scholarship that will be awarded annually to a graduating high school student in Arizona who is interested in pursuing a career in sports. Now, I know, MJ, you know about the backdrop or the background, if you will, of Harris, but for those who might not know, she spent 26 years in a variety of roles with the Cardinals before retiring in 2001. She passed away in 2007 at the age of 65. Joined the Cardinals in 1971 as an assistant in the PR department. Worked her way up to become director of community relations in 1980. And I think her legacy, if you will, she played a key role in the formation of Cardinals Charities, which does wonderful work. Some we know about, others we don't. But again, tip of the cap to the organization because I think this is outstanding, not only to honor Adele Harris, but also now to get someone that is interesting in what this career is, whether it's 
you know, there are a number of different roads you can go when you travel into sports. It just doesn't always have to be the athletic version, but it is a great gesture and I think a great move for the organization uh, to give back, if you will, to someone within the state that is interested in pursuing a career in sports. Yeah, she was beloved in that building. She had a great relationship with uh, Mr. Bidwell and obviously down to the kids. Um, when you when I started covering the team maybe 26, 27 years ago, you knew who Adele Harris was and what she stood for. And, and the fact that she was with the team in St. Louis and made the jump here to Arizona. Um, and then she definitely moved up the ladder. But African-American and then when the Cardinals also had uh, Rod Grays and Denny Green, uh, African-American general manager and head coach. So they've been doing this. And I'm glad you mentioned the charity part because I don't think Mr. B got enough credit. Uh, there were times that the cameras weren't around and he did a lot of stuff with the reservation uh, when it came to providing um, uniforms and, and different, um, you know, supplies. So, but I, I'm glad Adele Harris is, was, was, and still is well-respected in that building. Matter of fact, there's pictures of, of her in the building. And so, like I said, if you covered the Cardinals and you got a chance to be in the building or around the building, you knew who she was. Yeah, she is featured prominently as far as when players walk through and get a tour of that facility. So she is a big part of the history of the Arizona Cardinals, just the Cardinals in general. This scholarship, by the way, owner Michael Bidwell, quote, it recognizes the valuable role that Adele played within our organization for more than a quarter of a century and also connects her to future generations who aspire to follow in her footsteps. We are grateful for the opportunity to do both of those things, end quotes. And again, Berg Gang, for those interested in applying for the scholarship, you can do so at azcardinals.com backslash scholarship. Again, azcardinals.com backslash scholarship. All right, MJ, let's continue to kind of discuss the 2021 Arizona Cardinals NFL drafts. And we will be hearing more and more about these players and getting to know them because I'll admit, not all of these players, these seven new faces are household names. They just aren't unless you're a diehard, but there are a lot of names that we are getting more and more familiar with. And a couple of names I do want to talk about here on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Both general manager Steve Kahn and head coach Cliff Kingsbury mentioned Marco Wilson, the Florida cornerback, when they were asked who they thought may be a steal. And I think that is certainly something that everyone aspires to be because you're that day three pick and are you that steal? He is certainly someone that I think has the measurables to be successful. He has the size, he has the speed, the athleticism is there. It's just a matter of, okay, can you get the job done? Can you now cover corners? Do you have that skill set to be a press man cover or an outside cover cornerback or an inside cornerback? And the athleticism you love, now it's just a matter of, okay, how does it show up? On the football field yeah and you're talking about a guy that tore his acl in high school and he, he uh, suffered another acl injury back in 2018 he, he played all 13 games in 2019 he played um two uh, nine games or ten games and he opted out uh, of the bowl game there but all the measurables are there and uh, when you talk about wilson good size athletic fluid toughness 
He doesn't play with consistent urgency, discipline, or feel wasn't a playmaker on tape, but he eventually can push starting reps and shows his improvement under NFL coaching. But on paper, Craig, I got to think right now, I don't think they're done filling that room because I do think they're going to have to bring in some veteran guys. But on paper, I think right now he's your fourth corner. I mean, you look at the top three guys and Malcolm Butler, Robert Alford, and then you throw in Byron Murphy and you got Chase Whitaker there. And the good thing about um, a guy like Wilson, he's got some versatility to him. Yeah, that is something that I really like as far as the ability to do more than one thing, especially in a pinch. And hopefully they'll be able to give him some time. But as you mentioned, the depth chart, yeah, you've got Malcolm Butler on one end, but the question mark is who's on the other side of the field. We've always asked that question when Patrick Peterson was in uniform. Now we're asking it with Malcolm Butler because if you want to keep Byron Murphy in the slot, you've got Robert Alford, but he hasn't played in two seasons. So what do the Cardinals do? You've got some options, and I think maybe down the road they'll have to add someone. I just i am not comfortable right now with how that cornerback room looks here in the month of May. Now there's no game to be played until September, so there is time. But I would like to see perhaps, I wouldn't say competition, but I just would feel more comfortable if there was another veteran to go along with a Robert Alford, especially if you want to keep Murphy inside. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, I, again, you know, after I, I think it was Monday after one o'clock local time, uh, when you can sign start street free agents, undrafted free, I'm sorry, uh, street free agents, unrestricted free agents, and doesn't count against the formula. So I got to think they have their eye on a couple of guys now based on when it comes to veterans, you know, how they're going to approach the offseason. Are some guys waiting? Um, but you would think if you're going to a new team on a one-year deal for the minimum, you want to get in there as soon as possible to start learning things, even though a veteran guy's probably played in a man-to-man press defense, played in his own defense. But I do think you got to bring in some experience. I think they got enough, enough youth now with uh, Gowan, and then you throw in Wilson and Chase Whitaker, and they got some young, other younger guys. And we'll see uh, some of these undrafted free agents. But I think you need more experienced guys. And there's guys out there. You know, Casey Hayward was a guy that people thought, but uh, it looks like he signed with the Raiders. And Steven Nelson's out there. I still think he's looking for somebody to go down. There are teams that have some flexibility with cap space. And so, but I, I do think you got to bring in some veteran guys. I don't know where Drake or Patrick is on the, on the uh, list. He was in the defense last year. You know, it kind of helped him out, you know, obviously when things were going a little haywire in the secondary. So, um, but I agree with you. It's, it can't be just young guys. You gotta, you gotta flood it with some veteran players. Jonathan Joseph as well, who yeah. came in in a pinch that really helped. Now you're not looking for lockdown corners. Those, there are very few of those out there. But it might be something that this team has to kind of piece together, unless Marco Wilson really steps up. The other option, as you mentioned, is Tay Gowan. And Pro Football Focus called Gowan one of their best value picks of the draft. Now here's a sixth round selection, 223 overall, six foot one, 186 pounds out of central Florida might have slipped through the cracks to use the phrase of general manager, Steve Kahn, because he did not play last season after opting out because of his family situation, which we detailed on an earlier episode of Cardinals Cover 2. But this is what Pro Football Focus wrote and what they like about Gowan. And they go back 
2019. Gowan was one of the highest graded corners in the country. They write that season he allowed only 20 completions on 50 targets for 274 yards with two picks and seven pass breakups. Now, we've heard that Kime say that he can play, talking about Gowan, really good press corner. Pro Football Focus, in man coverage, Gowan allowed only five completions on 12 targets for 71 yards on 107 coverage snaps. Again, this is just that one season of 2019. Great film, but it is just that only season because earlier in his career, he played at Community College, only played three games at Miami of Ohio, so not a lot of tape, but the tape that the Cardinals do have on Gowan is outstanding. Six feet, 186. He ran a 4.47. Yeah, I mean, the overall gown, favorable length, confidence with ball skills, but his average speed and tightness in his transition will be tough to mask against NFL route runners. But again, um, he was projected either go uh, in the third day or under, uh, undrafted free agent. But once again, once the Cardinals got to day three, they're able to move up and get Marco Wilson, and then obviously took another flyer in Gowan. But you're just trying to add some athleticism. You mentioned uh, redshirted at uh, uh, Miami of Ohio. Then he was at Butler Community College in Kansas City in 2018, didn't play. And then he was at University of Central Florida, and he opted out on September 1st of 2020. Yeah, he opted out because of his young daughter who was born premature and then his mom was hospitalized with COVID-19 so a family decision for Gowan as far as why he did not play in 2020. More from Pro Football Focus they had Gowan as a top 100 player now there is a love-hate relationship when it comes to Pro Football Focus MJ with players and even some of the media and some of the fans because what Pro Football Focus looks like looks at might not be what was actually asked of a certain player. So you're kind of guessing a little bit. Now, they've got a lot of people involved in this company. Chris Collinsworth is one of the big names. So it's not like you just having people watch film who don't know what they're doing, but it is hard to evaluate a player if they think you were supposed to do X when you were really told to do Y and that wasn't your responsibility offensive linemen, sometimes cornerbacks, that would be something to where, you know, when it's good news, it's great to highlight. When it's bad news, you're like, okay, well, why did you not get a good grade on this game? And I think that was something Justin Pugh always talked a lot about, when, especially when it came to how to grade an offensive lineman. Well, if you watch Sunday Night Football, I mean, you're right, Chris Collins has a piece of the company. They're in Cincinnati. Um, Every team subscribes to it because they want to cross-check the coach's film to what they see. Um, just go back a couple of years ago. I mean, I know the Cardinals will get criticized, and rightfully so, because the Andy Isabella pick didn't pan out. But they they had him ranked high. I mean, they they, they he was one of their top wide receivers just based on his speed, uh, the way he played against the SEC in Georgia that game where they showcased him. Listen, this is what I know on Pro Football Focus. They work diligently. They, they put the work in. Now, they had Gunther Cunningham there, and he recently he passed away. And they have Bruce Gradkowski working there. He's a quarterback. What I was told is they're trying to go after former head coaches or coordinators 
because there are people around the league who still don't think they know what they're looking at. Again, you, anybody can watch film, Craig, but do you know what you're watching? And Bruce Gratkowski is a quarterback. He only sees it from the quarterback angle. Craig, they work around the clock, and they, they put the work in, but at the same time, though, what are they watching? So it's a, a love-hate relationship. You like the numbers, but again, it's only a tool. It's not the Bible. Yes, and I like that description, a tool, because it gives us, you know, fans and the media a little bit better understanding because we want to know what we're watching. We don't always know what we're watching. And I learned a little bit of a side here because this was, I don't know, maybe three, four, five years ago, and sacks. Who's responsible for sacks? Is it the offensive lineman? Is it the quarterback? The receivers not getting opened. So not all sacks are created equal. And I learned that a long time ago to kind of pay attention to more big picture, a little bit difficult when you're watching it on television. But if you're at these games, really watch the entire field because, yeah, a quarterback might be sacked five times and you immediately point to the offensive line. Well, how much time is the offensive line given the quarterback? How much time does the quarterback have in the pocket? And certainly something that, you know, are the wide receivers doing their job to get open so the quarterback has time or has the ability to throw the football. So it all works in tandem, but as you said, a great tool. So going back to where we started this conversation as far as Tay Gowan, one of the best value picks of the 2021 NFL Draft, Pro Football Focus, again, had Gowan as a top 100 player and the Cardinals got him with pick number 223. Gowan, according to Pro Football Focus, in 2019, allowed just a 26.6 passer rating in single coverage, second lowest in college football over the past two seasons. He allowed 25 yards or fewer in nine of his 12 games played as Central Florida. These numbers, MJ, are outstanding. Yes, it's just one season, and yes, it's at Central Florida, but it certainly does sound like he has somewhat of a skill set to be a cover corner in the National Football League. The question is, how quickly does he get there? Yeah, six feet, 186. He ran a 4.47. His first 10 yards, 1.155. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a case where, you know, if Cardinals, you know, prefer to play man-to-man -man press, get on the line of scrimmage and try to press the receiver, you know, disrupt his route running. And they're going to be times they're going to play zone probably based on the, the opposing quarterback, but they want to, they want to stand there and get in your face. And so that's, that's, that's really, he fits what they want to do defensively. I mean, he's probably fifth. He's going to have to make the roster. Um, but again, you just, these guys need off season workouts, you know, rookie mini camp coming up hopefully next week for all these guys. And then, Possibly get to veterans there for, you know, limited uh, action and then training camp and preseason games. But, yeah, I mean, I again, you got to you got to get some more experience there. But between Wilson and, and Gowan, though, I, I think Wilson's definitely got probably the upper hand just based on he can play inside and outside. But you can never have enough cover corners that can play press coverage. And again, I, I want to make it real clear here, Bird Gang, that, you know, I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible about these draft picks because we all want them to succeed and the Cardinals want them all to succeed. Yet at the same time, we know looking at the history of the National Football League, 
they're not all going to succeed. And sometimes these sixth round selections and seventh round selections don't even make the team, aren't even on the practice squad. Yet, what do we have between now and when those decisions are to be made? All we have is time to discuss these players and get to know them better. So that's what we're doing here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Just talking, just information-based, but trying not to talk them up too much to where we all of a sudden are counting on them come September. No, I don't think we're doing that. I think, you know, we when we went through the top 50, we started to talk about guys that you got a chance to see get drafted on, on this Friday in the second round. But again, 30% of NFL rosters are undrafted free agents, okay? And then, yes, you want to hit on your top three picks, but the belly of your rosters, rounds four through seven, those guys become special teams players. Those guys become depth for you, and now you've got to coach them up, and it's all about development, and that's what the preseason's for. You evaluate, and then you get ready for your opener. That's all what it's about. So, um, again, four through seven, yeah, they're not all going to make it, but the thing is you got the practice squad, and you can hold those their rights for a couple of years, and and that's how you get better. I mean, the fact that you know you may not play on game day, you get to attend games, uh, not road games. Um, insurance, you get to work out, um, you, you get reps, you've been on the scout team, so it's it's more just getting mental reps. Not all these guys are going to make the roster, but trust me, if guys can pan out four through seven, you're building depth where you don't have to force a pick in the following years. These guys are all looking for jobs. And speaking of jobs, State Farm Stadium this Saturday is hosting a job fair from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Over 600 part-time positions are available. For more details, including a list of open positions, visit azcardinals.com slash jobfair. That's azcardinals.com slash jobfair. No sign-up is necessary. Just show up at State Farm Stadium this Saturday from 10 a.m., to 2 p.m. over 600 part-time positions are available. And we know that a lot of students want to get into broadcasting and, and obviously, you know, going to Arizona State and Walter Cronkite and some may not benefit from that from a community college. But, you know, I know a lot of people always reach out and say, do you know someone? This is the perfect time to, to go there. Uh, there's four different uh, different businesses. And also, if you want a chance to work on game day, it's a great experience. Um, you get to be there right in front and center. So if you're somebody that's even thinking about it, don't hesitate. It's going to, you know, going to spend a couple hours out of your day, but it's going to be well worth it. Absolutely. We continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Continuing on the theme of this show as far as the value, the steal of the draft, if you will. This much we do know, MJ, the Cardinals certainly drafted elite athletes. The athleticism of all of these draft picks from the first one to the last one that is what really stood out about a lot of these players and there's again i'm going to reference our colleague kyle odegaard he is kind of the analytics guy of our group but he has an article up on azcardinals.com titled cardinals target elite athletes in draft next gen stats another website another tool if you will according to next gen stats mj cardinals drafted a league high Four players with an athleticism score higher than 90. Marco Wilson, 99. James Wiggins, 96. Zaven Collins, 94. Rondell Moore, 92. So the athleticism is there. Does athleticism equal to success? No, but 
it's a damn good start. <laughs> I'll say that. You can't teach speed. And and there and the uh, there were um the Steelers and Browns, they had two. So the Cardinals had the most. And the one difference between next gen stats and pro football focus, next gen stats is affiliated with the NFL. The players have a chip in their jersey and it tells you how much everything is almost every play they um have when they when they're running they're calculated that's why they have these numbers so it this isn't pro football focus and next gen stat is a stat with the nfl and they they track every single thing to the last play they every inch of the field and that's where the athleticism came up and i i mean you you, you gotta you know if they would have drafted a tight end probably wouldn't have made the list but the fact that they got these some of these corners that just maybe had an ACL or opted out, they feel like the athleticism there. Now you probably don't want these guys to play right away, but at least the NFL and Next Gen Stats are together, and teams get these reports. So clearly, the Cardinals felt like they were they were the better options. But again, a lot of it has to do with positions. You look at Wilson specifically because everyone points to his pro day and. That pro day, people were focused on Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, looking at the tight end, looking at the quarterback, and here comes Wilson, who, as we've mentioned before, and it's worth repeating because I think it's phenomenal, that picture that went viral, he outjumped the Vertec. 44 inches, the Vertec goes 43 and a half inches, and then runs a 4-3-40. Bench pressed, I think it was in the upper 20s. So, again... The measurables, the athleticism is there. Now we wonder about all of these as far as a little bit of the skill set. And then, of course, when we talk about smarts, not book smarts, football smarts, as far as how quickly are these players able to learn and not only just learn, but adapt the playbook from the classroom to the field. And that might be the biggest test of all to figure out what the coaches want you to do hopefully maximizing your athleticism and skill set and putting you in position to succeed. That's why I think Marco Wilson has the upper hand on Gowin just based on the conference. And there were some highlights when he was drafted. He did, you know, face Jalen Waddell, obviously competition with playing at Florida in that conference. So what I do think he'll have the upper hand, nothing against Gowin. He's going to have to make the roster. You know, one of the things I, I learned from Urban Meyer when they announced he was going to be the head coach and he said, you know, I think fans, when we mention a name or something, they're like, oh, he's just a guy or he's just there for depth. Urban Meyer was clear. Anybody on an NFL roster has talent. You don't get this far. You can't you can't fake it throughout this. You, now, you may not have what's between the ears. You may not have in the chest. Maybe there's a little character flaws, and that's why guys drop. But he said any player that's in the NFL, they have talent. And he said it's on us, the coaching staff, to get that talent out of them teaching that's what coaching is all about so yeah we look at guys in you know the back of the roster the zeke turners and tanner vallejo they work just as hard as everyone else yes if you are on an nfl roster if you are drafted undrafted invited to a rookie tryout get to training camp everyone has the talent you're there for a reason there are hundreds if not thousands that would love to be in your position but they're not 
So you already have a distinct advantage over someone else. And I always look at it, you know, the 12th man on an NBA bench. Oh, you know, you're a bench warmer. You're a fan favorite, a crowd favorite. You don't deserve it. You know what? Uh Uh-uh. There are so few positions in professional sports, regardless of what the sport is, only a small percentage can even make a roster, let alone be successful. So as we go back to what Minette says, doesn't matter how I got here, what do I do now that I'm here? Because I've already shown that I have the ability, whether that's physically or mentally, that this team likes what I bring to the table. Now it's on me to get that coaching and then prove them correct. Craig, only 1,800 players in the NFL every year. And last I checked, a lot of guys are veterans, right? It's not like we're getting 1,800 new players every single year. You may get two to 300, and then you put 300 on the practice squad. We had 255 draft picks. They're not all gonna make the team. Because, and I looked at it yesterday, the Cardinals haven't announced their new jerseys or jersey numbers. They got 32 new players. That's a turnover, but not all these guys are going to make the team. But 1,800 players and a lot of guys return every year. So um, it's, it's, and there's millions of, what is there, over 115 Division I programs in football, and there's like 300 in basketball. Correct. You're talking about 90 to 100 guys. So it's, Again, I, and, I, and I've been guilty of it. He's a camp body. And the next thing we know, you know, he's, he's third on the depth chart. So it's all you can ask for an opportunity. But once they get to this level, now it's on them and it's on the coaches to teach these guys. That's what teaching is, coaching is, teaching. And when Urban Meyer said that, it rang, it rang home to me that you just can't look at a guy and assume you know him because now you got to get into his head. Sometimes you got to break him down to build him up. Funny you mentioned camp body. I got, I wouldn't say yelled at, but I got a stern looking and a little bit of a raised voice back in my previous life working at 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station, asking then Suns head coach Alvin Gentry about three or four players that they had signed ahead of training camp as far as, you know, what they brought to the table, who they were. And I mentioned camp bodies. Wrong term to mention to a head coach because, as I said, there's a reason why players are selected, picked, however they got inside the building. And that is not a term that, well, at least Alvin didn't like. He smiled after the fact, and I understood what he completely meant because you do not want to discount these players because you never know who's going to come out and all of a sudden find success. Dennis Gardeck, Trent Sherfield, Ezekiel Turner. We know about these guys in the Cardinals who have done wonderful. And now with Sherfield going on to the San Francisco 49ers, you know, their careers are still going on. There are some first round draft picks, MJ, that their careers fizzled out and are done. So, yes, once you're in the building, it's on you. Doesn't matter how you got there. Yeah. And I like a guy like Zayden Collins. He's very appreciative where he's at. I'm sure. Uh, Ronald Moore, Rondell Moore, I looked at Dan Brugler, he had him going 50 uh, overall. He went 49. So I I think the three, um, the first three picks, I mean, there's a little bit more pressure, but I think when you get to four to seven and undrafted free agents, there's a little bit more of, I got a chip on my shoulder. 
they all do because they all thought, you know, I think Collins, he said he wanted to go top 20. He goes at 16. So he, he checked that box, but you know, more probably thought he, you know, after Waddle and Smith and chase Jamar chase, he probably thought he was next. So I want these guys to come in here, but the, the guys from four to seven, they're going to really appreciate just being here and hopefully looking for that opportunity. But again, it's on them and it's on the coaching to get these guys coached up. Before we get into MJ's big board and reviewing how Mike Jarecki did in the 2021 NFL draft, this updates Bird Gang, and this is big because I know everyone is a fan of Flight Plan, but we can tell you that the next episode will drop May 20th on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. The first episode titled Power Surge was a huge success focusing on free agency. Episode two will get more into what we've been discussing here on Cardinals Cover 2 over the last couple of days and will for the next couple of days, and that is the draft, the pre-draft process, the draft itself, and then how these guys will fit in with the Arizona Cardinals, or at least how we all hope they fit in with the Arizona Cardinals. So again, the next episode of Flight Plan, May 20th. Mark it down on your calendar. Better yet, just subscribe to the Cardinals' official YouTube channel, youtube.com slash azcardinals. That way, MJ, you never miss an episode. Absolutely, and, and they always leave us hanging when it comes to the trailer, and that's, that's the beauty of it. And maybe we'll get some guys working out. Um, again, I don't know the uh, what the restrictions are and protocols. I know you can't have a big group out there, but they're they're going to show us the stuff that we didn't know was happening uh, at the facility. So it's always fascinating and riveting uh, uh, show, and it's kind of like reality TV because we work there and we don't see half of that stuff. Exactly, we're supposedly in the loop, but not quite <laughs> all the way in the loop on a lot of this stuff. And I like what you said about hope that these things, you know, there's a tease at the end, or you're like, wait, I want to hear more, I want to see more, and that is the goal of every show to leave you hanging and wanting you to come back and the Cardinals again. The next flight plan episode, May twentieth. All right, so we are a few days past the 2021 NFL draft, and a week away. We are. That's right. Here Last on week. this Thursday, May six. Good catch there, MJ. Well, I, I don't spent... think. Uh, excuse me. We were, we were. It was one week away. I don't think we had the Adam Schefter tweet about Aaron Rodgers yet. No, not quite yet. That would uh, that would come a little bit later. But uh, Three, yeah, that's three nineteen. That came out. We're still. Uh, Feeling the effects of that Schefter bomb, if you will, and that's not going anywhere anytime soon. But uh, hey, it's good news. We don't have to worry about here with the Arizona Cardinals. But we spent weeks leading up to the draft looking at your big board, the top 50 prospects as far as how you saw them ranking them, not how they would fit with a one team or another, but just looking at players, your ranking of players. And I'll, there's a couple of different ways we want to go because I did say we would review this and kind of grade Mike Jarecki as far as how he did. But in the top 50, the Cardinals landed two players. Zayvon Collins, MJ, you had ranked number 28, and Rondell Moore, number 43. So I think, you know, all things considered and how the draft fell to the Cardinals, job well done. I, I must applaud you there, MJ. Very good job. Well, last year we went a little bit different out. The Cardinals had the eighth pick in the draft, and we had Isaiah Simmons third, and then Josh Jones was ranked on our board at 30, and the Cardinals had a high grade on him. So 
Now, Xavier Collins, when we did it, that's where kind of he was projected. He came on late, at least from a, you know, a media standpoint. And then you look at uh, Rondo Moore. I had him ranked 43rd. He went 49th, so two in the top 50. Um, when you look at the first round, I think I had 26, Craig, out of 32. That's correct. 26 of the 32 first-round picks were on your big board. And that, I think, deserves another applause here, MJ. That's that's a good percentage. Yeah, it's, and it's not a mock draft. Now, when you look at the total 50, um, I had one guy, and we talked about him early on in the process, Melvin Wilson, the uh, defensive tackle from Florida State. He went undrafted. He went undrafted. And then we had number 50, Elijah Molden. He actually went in the third round. Everyone else went in the first two rounds. Now there's 64 picks. You know, maybe next year I'll go to 64, but I just wanted to go a little bit deeper this year because the Cardinals weren't picking eighth overall. They were picking 16th, so the next pick was 49. So I wanted to obviously get a couple guys in there. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun a fun thing to do. And, I, you know, I learn about players from 50 to 30 that, you know, I know about Travis uh, – ATN and some of these other wide receivers we studied, like Cardarius Tony and Dwayne Esridge, uh, Terrence Marshall, Asante Samuel, Nick Bolton, Javante Williams, Rondell Moore. But I didn't know who those guys were probably in January or February. And it was a good exercise for me as well to get to know these players because as we talked throughout this process, what do people focus on 99% of the time? It's the first round. Where does my team select? Who might be in that area, in that availability window? Cardinals picking number 16. Yes, you had Collins at 28. But don't forget, Bird Gang, how that board fell. The top two wide receivers, excuse me, the top three wide receivers off the board. The top two corners off the board. The top three offensive linemen off the board. So then at that point, you're left with, okay, well, how do they feel about Caleb Farley? How do they feel about the next wide receiver, the next offensive lineman? Or at that point, is it some other player, best player available? And that's why Collins was the selection at number 16. I've heard some people say post-draft that a little bit higher than they might have selected him. Maybe you could have traded down. We've discussed this, Bird Gang. Everyone wants to trade down or trade up. You need another team to help you with that. And if there was no one willing to trade down or trade up, then you're left with where you're at on the clock. Cardinals, obviously, yeah, maybe had some discussions, but it's certainly in sounding from general manager Steve Kime, they really liked Zayvon Collins. And if there wasn't a corner or wide receiver or an offensive lineman, then Collins was going to be that player. He was going to be the first defensive player off the board, at least for them, of course, we all know the top two corners off the board. So Collins, was he was the second linebacker off the board, if I remember correctly, because Micah Parsons went number 12 to the Dallas Cowboys. So you take away the cornerbacks and you take away Micah Parsons. Zayvon Collins was right up there as far as when you looked at defensive players in this draft. And there was some concern because, you know, you look at Jamie Collins and that's one of the guys that Xavier Collins mentioned that he kind of tailored his game around, you know, but quarterback Trump said and Belichick and the Patriots couldn't be more thrilled that Mac Jones. Now I had Najee Harris go 24. He went 23. I had Cale Ferry Farley go 25 because of the red flag. And he goes to the Titans. I want to say at 27, you know, so some of those guys, 
I had Travis Etienne going at 31. He went late first round back to Jacksonville. So, again, Bob Ferguson taught me, just rank the players, Mike. Don't worry about the teams. And that's what I did. I had Mac Jones going 12. I had, I didn't. I wasn't a big Zach Wilson fan. Elijah Vera Tucker, I had him 14th. J.C. Horn, 16th. He went a little bit earlier. So, again, that's what I learned from Bob Ferguson, the former general manager. Rank the players. Don't worry about the teams because they have a tendency to match up. Well, and what we know in the draft, and we've seen this over the last handful of years, quarterbacks are always going to be rated higher just because of their position on the field and their value on the field. Is a Mac Jones, is a Zach Wilson better than, uh, you know, well, let's look at where Zach Wilson was drafted, number two overall. Is he better than Kyle Pitts, who went fourth overall? Absolutely not. But as far as where you think you hope to be as a franchise, you need that quarterback more than you need that tight end. So quarterbacks always get elevated more than they deserve, but that's just where we are. That's where we're at in this day and age in the National Football League. Yeah, I I had Justin Fields for he ended up getting, uh, obviously the Broncos passed on him, a couple teams passed on him, needed quarterbacks, Carolina, and they they made the trade with the Bears. I had Penny, uh, Penny Sewell, going number six. Um, Trey Lance, I had going number five, and he went three. So again, just rank the players. Don't worry about the teams. They'll find a way to match it. Now, another thing, the, the J.J. Watt signing with the Cardinals, there, were, there was an after effect with two teams. The Buffalo Bills used their two first-round picks. Well, excuse me. They used their first and second-round pick on pass rushers. The Colts were another team in the J.J. Watt sweepstakes. They used their first two picks on pass rushers when they were getting criticized because Anthony Costanza retired and they thought they would take a tackle. I listened to Chris Ballard. He never mentioned J.J. Watt, but that's two teams that went heavy with their first two picks in rounds one and two at pass rusher because they lost out on J.J. Watt. So sometimes there is need involved in this draft especially when you're talking about the first round because you anticipate that those are players that not only play out their first contract but you sign them to a second contract so yes you don't want to pass on talent but if you've got two players that you think are somewhat similar then okay who might fit us better or where do we have a need if this position group is already filled but we need that position group so we're going to draft that position group to fill that quote-unquote need it's it's something that i've learned to accept because i've always been you know you just take the best player well As you keep pointing out to me that, yes, you do, but if you need a running back because you don't have any, well, then you draft a running back. Certain positions, though, you want to make sure that you're getting value for those picks as well. And if the Cardinals win six or seven games, maybe they take a tackle. They take Rara Tucker, maybe a a linebacker now. um, You know, again, to me, when you're in the 20s, it's harder to trade into the top 10. When you're in the teens, like Dallas, they traded with the team inside the division, the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a little bit easier. And uh, Mickey Loomis said that, you know, they they obviously had their eyes on their willing to move up for one of those corners or wide receivers. But he said, we're picking in the 20s. And, you know, they were a team that went deep into the postseason, won a playoff game, and then obviously lost to the Patriots, uh, the Buccaneers. But he said it's hard. So, um, but if the Cardinals had a higher pick, it could have been a different player because, 
you know, you started seeing Collins on mocks 15, 16, 17, and 18, and we didn't really see that until like the, the final wave, maybe two weeks before the uh, draft actually happened. So if the Cardinals had a higher pick, maybe they would have had, or if they had more picks, I could say they probably would have tried to move up for, uh, you know, if, if Jamar Chase was number one, and, and, and Devontae Smith went too. They could have moved up for Waddle, so, but they didn't have the capital to do that, nor did, as you mentioned, five quarterbacks go off, three tackles, two guards, or two tackles and one guard, a couple corners, and then three wide receivers. So if they had a higher pick, maybe we're having a different conversation. But again, you ranked the players, so they could have got Rashawn Slater. They could have got uh, Elijah Tecker somewhere between 10 and 14. And I like ranking the players because let's hope next season when we do this exercise, it's a pick in the 20s and hopefully the late 20s, maybe even number 32. It's going to be even more difficult at that position to figure out who might still be on the board when the Cardinals select. That is the problem that successful teams have. Let's hope that that is a problem the Cardinals have in 2022. Well, I can just tell you right now, they're going to take a corner in the first round. <laughs> Regardless of who's on the board, yes. that's Well, it's just because Butler's on a one-year deal. Alford, you know, he's got to stay healthy. Um, you drafted two young guys, but I don't know if we consider those guys top two corners. It's always it's offensive line, cornerback, or pass rusher. So, I mean, we can just project right now, right? Breaking news here on Cardinals <laughs> Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. On May 6, 2021, Mike Jarecki, on the record, the Cardinals, in one year's time, will select a cornerback with their first round pick, wherever they pick in the first round. Being a little facetious there, but uh, yeah, that's what... Uh, well, it's either pass rusher, offensive attack, <laughs> offensive alignment, or corner. That's, just, that's what it's going to be, because... We know now they could draft a receiver, if, but they're hoping that Rondell Moore pans out. We'll see about, you know, A.J. Green on a one-year deal. Um, we'll find out more with uh, Andy Isabella and King uh, East John Johnson and, and Christian Kirk. So, again, I just think based on the numbers at the corner position, that would be a need. Uh, you don't want to go out and spend big money in free agency uh, to pay a corner. You want to draft those guys and develop them. Well said, MJ. And again, congratulations on your top 50 Cardinals with two selections, Zayvon Collins, who you ranked 28th, and Rondell Moore, who you had at number 43. Real quick, Bird Gang, a reminder, State Farm Stadium is hosting a job fair this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Over 600 part-time positions are available. For more details, including a list of open positions, visit azcardinals.com slash jobfair. That's azcardinals.com slash jobfair. No sign-up necessary. Just show up at State Farm Stadium this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.